Hello and welcome back to Painting the Corners Top 10 Right Now series. We are moving on to the infield dirt for the first time in this series. We've covered the outfielders and the relief pitchers so far, and now it is on to first base. So we've got, of course, lots of big names, Goldschmidt, Freeman, Guerrero, Pete Alonso, etc. Superstars in the sport. And that's what you'd expect because traditionally first base has been a primarily offensive position. That's where the big sluggers go if they can't play defense somewhere else. So this list is full of heavy hitters, and it'll be interesting to see how we deal with that. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into the top first baseman right now. Alrighty, so yeah, let's kind of get into this first base position that like you mentioned earlier, is loaded on the offensive front. Now, we had talked about it a little bit in the past with the whole defensive side of things uh, when it comes to how we weigh center field versus right field versus left field. I'm imagining you did as well as I weighed defense a lot less here at first base. Absolutely, yeah. I had a 5-1 to one offense to defense ratio. I didn't want to completely ignore it, but yeah, if you can hit, you're going to be on my list for sure. And something I found interesting, too, is while there were a couple guys who defensively there might have been a, a, a solid difference, there wasn't massive gaps between guys defensively. A lot of these guys just aren't that good at defense. So, you know, no one was necessarily horrendous, but there wasn't too many guys who were like, yeah, this guy is an elite defensive first baseman. That didn't really factor too much for me. I don't know if it did you, but I found more so than not, offense just really was the front and center statistics that I was looking at because these guys defensively, they don't offer much. So, Yeah, they definitely don't. And I think another thing is just, I'm not sure that our defensive stats really evaluate first baseman that well because so much of a first baseman's job is, you know, picking balls in the dirt jumping like getting off the bag tagging the runner for a throw up the line that kind of stuff and most of the focus of the metrics is on just like other positions you know range and getting to balls fielding balls basically just converting the chances that are hit towards you into outs and that's really not a big part of a first baseman's game it's it's helping out the other defenders with their throws yeah that is completely the case and i think a lot of times the eye test can be as important as some of the metrics. Uh, and we can see that with a lot of guys, you know, who you may feel as though they're a pretty solid defensive first baseman. They pick the balls when they need to be picked. You know, they're making their plays. But the defensive metrics may say, oh, you know, not a lot of range, yada, yada, yada. But I would argue, kind of like you were saying, that range isn't overly important at first base. While it's great to say you have a rangy first baseman that can make the play up the line or, you know, in the hole, while that's great and it might become more important now that the shift is out of the way, I still think at the end of the day, like you said, helping out your teammates is by far the most important part of your job. And the guys who do that well, they may not reflect that statistically. Yep. And all of that is a very long-winded way to say that neither of us weighted defense very heavily uh, in our evaluations here. 
No, sir. And I think kind of the last thing that I noticed uh, before we kind of get into our rankings here, there wasn't a lot of guys who didn't play, meaning we've gone through a lot of positions so far, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. almost half. And there was some, you know, there was the rookies we had to deal with, you know, who only had 170 plate appearances, uh, or excuse me, 170 games played over the last two years. And then you got a guy you're comparing him against who had played 300 games in the last two years combined. And a lot of injuries. And, you know, there was a lot of flux when it came to games and plate appearances for a lot of these guys. But at first base, while there obviously was some variability here and there, there was really only one guy that was an was under consideration for me that had any sort of variability and that was Brandon Belt but other than that everyone on my uh, list that I considered had over a thousand plate appearances in the last two years so that made that a lot easier this time around well yeah I mean it, it certainly did um, I will say this though this was the first list I made I believe and I made it before MLB Network uh, dropped their list of names and so what I did was basically just compile every single person who Fangraphs thinks is going to play a decent amount of first base. And so I've got a 49-player sample here. Uh, everyone all the way down to Lewin Diaz, who's been DFA'd like eight times in the past month. He came in last, if you're wondering. So I do have guys that didn't play. And in fact, sneak preview of my list, I have somebody on my list who MLB Network did not consider in their list of first basemen. Um, and I'm assuming that's just because he was a rookie last year. He's clearly a first baseman. He's not. It's not because they put him somewhere else. So that'll be interesting to debate over that. I don't know what the rules are for players not considered at this position. Yeah, I followed the rules. So unlike you who went haywire, <laughs> I decided to actually pay attention to what MLB Network had. But no, uh, yeah, I think there's a couple guys on numerous lists. Um, we can, you know, a little bit of Padre bias here, but they didn't include Hassan Kim on any of the lists. Obviously, one of the elite defensive shortstops last year. We know he's switching to second base, and I would, I think it's pretty fair to say that he'd be considered a top ten in that you know ten ish range second baseman, not a strong oh, overall sure. position. Yeah, they didn't have him as under consideration as well. So while you did break the rules, I think we'll we'll make an exception here because MLB Network isn't perfect, and we'll get in, no. more into why they're not perfect in other ways than just who they leave off their list as we get to the latter part of the episode here but uh, with all that said Johnny are you ready to get into your top 10 list for first baseman all right so leading off the list at number 10 now of the Cleveland Guardians Mr. Josh Bell switch hitter had a great first half with the Nats last year he's kind of made a habit of that he had a great first half with Pittsburgh in 2019 and both times he kind of slumped in the second half after being traded to the Padres this time, didn't provide much on offense, but his overall numbers are still really, really good last year because of that insane first half. Not a great defender, but again, doesn't really matter. He makes the routine plays, so doesn't hurt him over much there. So yeah, he slides in at number 10. Not one of the more consistent guys on here, but definitely has the upside to really produce a star level season. Okay, so now at number nine, Also, I don't know about the rules on guys who switch positions after we made the list because Luis Arise, who comes in at number nine on my list, is reportedly no longer a first baseman. He is going to play second base for the Miami Marlins, who he was just traded to. But before that trade happened a couple days ago, he was a first baseman, and so 
a first baseman, he shall be ranked. And in that case, he comes in at number nine. Obviously won the batting title last year, so if this was the 80s, he'd be number one. But it's not <laughs> anymore. We know he doesn't hit for much power, and we know that he probably got a little lucky on his balls in play, including you know line drives and stuff falling for hits. Uh, but of course, the shift will be banned next year, so maybe he will be a beneficiary of that. Anyway, he comes in at number nine. At number eight, longtime Chicago White Sox, now part of that stacked Houston Astros light lineup, Jose Abreu. He has been a stalwart on these lists for years. Just a really, really, really consistent hitter. Just going to put up a solidly, solidly above average WRC plus each and every year. His power numbers are declining a little bit in the last couple of years. He's starting to struggle uh, against the hard stuff, velocity, fastballs over 95 miles an hour to be expected with age, but he really punishes breaking balls. Um, and I think there's definitely still a couple more productive seasons left in the tank for Abreu. All right, moving on to number seven, probably the only guy on this list who really gets a big benefit from his defense and that would be Christian Walker of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was the best defender in my entire sample of 49 players. Uh, and he actually, a reputation around the league of being a good defender. He won a gold glove at first base. And he also hit 30 home runs last year. So he's clearly a potent offensive threat as well as you have to be at first base. So I got Christian Walker there in at number seven. And at number six... Things get real interesting because MLB Network did not consider Mr. Vinny Pasquantino of the Royals. And I think, and the projection systems think, that he is clearly a top 10 first baseman. And so I have him in my list at number six. Now, I know that's a bold pick, and I'm prepared to defend my bold pick. But as it stands, Vinny P., is my number six first baseman. All right, into the top five, and from here on out, it's all big names. Matt Olson comes in at number five. Now, the Braves had a bit of a down season by his standards in his first year in Atlanta, uh, but still very productive, and we have a lot of history to draw on from Oakland to know that he is an outstanding offensive and defensive performer at first base, another former gold glover as well. At number four of the New York Mets, Polar Pete, Pete Alonzo, the two-time reigning home run derby champion himself. You know exactly what he's going to do every year. He's going to come out and mash 40 bombs, and that's exactly what you're looking for out of a first baseman. He's really the prototypical first baseman in this day and age, and it serves him well coming in at number four. And the top three. These guys, I mean, really they're all just elite, elite hitters. And I think there is a clear number one and number two. Um, I think the top two are a little bit ahead of number three, uh, but not much. And with that said, number three, I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, and I think that's probably just because last year was almost a bit of a letdown from his MVP level season, his second place MVP finish in 2021. Uh, whereas the two guys ahead of him, Freeman and Goldschmidt, had better 2022s than 2021s. So if you flip-flop the order of the years, since I'm since I'm waiting 2022 as more uh, important than 2021, Vladdy probably would have been right up there with those two. But as it says, as it stands, he comes in at number three. And so the top two guys, Freeman, Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt, Freeman, it is 
a coin toss. And I'm here to tell you that this was by far the closest number one on any of our lists. And for me, it came down to Paul Goldschmidt coming in at number one with Freeman at number two, just by a whisker. And of course, both MVP level seasons, uh, Goldschmidt won the MVP, Freeman finished fourth or fifth, can't remember which, but yeah, just two of the most consistent, most dominant offensive players in the game today. They got home run power, hit for average, get on base, really just complete, complete offensive players. That puts them at the top of the list. Well, this will be fun. I can tell you that much. This will definitely be fun because we disagree in a lot of ways on this one. So uh, yeah, I guess without further ado, I'll get into my list here. And coming in at number 10 would be be the Seattle Mariners first baseman Ty France uh, has just been a solid hitter nothing too special but he's just been a solid hitter solid producer there over in Seattle and last year was no different uh, so for that I, I like Ty France coming in at that number 10 spot though there was definitely some guys who came in close right behind him there so uh, yeah but Moving on to number nine, uh, my number nine was your number 10, and that'd be Josh Bell. You got into him. I won't talk too much about him, but Josh Bell's been a consistent player the last couple years. Really good first half player, bad second half, but we know that when he's on, he's really, really elite at the plate. Uh, Number eight was your number nine. I have Luis Arise coming in at number eight. Uh, Like you said, technically a second baseman now, but for the sake of this year, he is being considered a first baseman. Coming in at number seven, someone you did not have on your list was Anthony Rizzo for me, uh, a guy who has just consistently done his thing since the days he was a Chicago Cub. You know, he finds himself playing good defensive first baseman. And something I really liked about him last year was he put up really good numbers and he was one of the most unlucky first basemen in the league. So with that being said, I liked Anthony Rizzo coming in at number seven. At number six, someone you were not as high on as I was, and that is Jose Abreu. You talked about it. He just hits, and he continues to hit. While he is kind of declining on that velo, the hard hit rate that he continues to put up is ridiculous. So got to love me some Jose Abreu coming in at number six. At number five, a little different than what you had. Um, I have Polar Pete, Pete Alonso. Uh, Like you said, the dude just shows up and slugs, and he mashes. Um, There were some things about him, though, that were a little bit surprising, and I'll get more into that when we... When we talk about it, uh, that made me not love him as much as maybe I was thinking I was going to. So he comes in at number five. At number four, Matt Olson, kind of a clear number four given who is left. Just a phenomenal player. Was phenomenal in Oakland. Had a little bit of a down-ish year last year. But yeah, first year in a new league, new organization. Matt Olson deserving of a top five spot. And I have him coming in at number four. My number three is no different than yours. I have Vlad Guerrero Jr., kind of an obvious number three. There was no way he could be four, but there was no way he could be one or two. So that was pretty obvious there. And then, like you said, a very difficult decision coming in at one and two. And honestly, I don't even know if this is the right selection here. I could have gone either guy, quite honestly. Paul Goldschmidt winning MVP last year had no effect on my decision because Freddie Freeman put up the same exact F4 that Goldschmidt did. So in a lot of ways, these guys were identical. Uh, Freeman, though, at the end of the day, does come in at number one for me. I have Goldschmidt at number two, Freeman at number one, and I do have my reasoning behind that, so I'm excited to debate that with you a little bit here. But yeah, that is my top ten list, and I think this will be a fun debate, to say the least. 
I'm already looking forward to it. Gosh, uh, where do we even start? Start at the top or start at the bottom? I think this might be a good one to start at the top. All right, let's start at the top. Freeman or Goldschmidt? Tell me why you want Freeman. Okay, I can tell you why I want Freeman. So if we're looking at just last year, like I was saying, the two guys put up identical F4s, but it was pretty clear that Goldschmidt was the better hitter. Now, that being said, Freddie Freeman hit the ball at a harder rate last year, 2%, but still hit the ball harder. Uh, was a better defensive first baseman by a good portion. And strikes out at a 7% less clip than that of Goldschmidt. So I look at those things, considering Goldschmidt is, I believe, two and a half or th- uh, three years older than Freeman going into next year. I like that. And when I was looking at it holistically the last two years, they're even closer than they were last year. And with all that being said, again, Freeman proves a better defender. Freeman proves to have a better K rate, a better walk rate over the last two years combined. I just like the overall outlook of a Freddie Freeman rather than a Paul Goldschmidt, who is getting to that wrong half of 30, where Freddie Freeman, if he continues to project as a Goldschmidt, should be able to produce still. And I like guys with low K rates. So for me, while it was close, it was extremely close. I did like Freeman a little bit more, at least coming into next year. And, you know, I'm honestly not really opposed to that argument. Yeah, I mean, man, it's so similar. Freeman put up a 135 WRC plus in 2021, Goldschmidt 137. As you said, this past year, it was a little more towards the Goldschmidt side, but he also got a little luckier. He ran a 368 BABIP. That's really astronomical. Freeman was up there as well at 359, though. But yeah, I mean, Freeman has been a tiny bit more consistent, I would say, over his tenure. And of course, yeah, as you said, that profile with the low K rate, high walk rate is just, I guess, a little more projectable. Goldschmidt is honestly stellar as well at that. But yeah, I'm fine with putting Freeman at one. Okay, well, then we have our first agreement. And I figured that this wouldn't be our more difficult one. No. Because I would have been fine if you committed or convinced me the other way around. So, But yeah, I think, like you said, this one could easily go either way. And then, obviously, this leads us to a, a consensus number three at Vlad. So that was a kind of an easy one there. Number four versus number five. That's kind of another one where we disagreed on. Obviously, I had Matt Olson ahead of Pete Alonso. You had it the other way around. So give me your case for Alonso over Matt Olson. Well, I mean, it all just comes down to hitting. He's, he's pretty clearly a better offensive player than Matt Olson. And although Olsen is a better defender, we've already explained that we don't value defense that much for first baseman. And I had Alonzo's margin uh, of offensive prowess to be significant enough that it didn't offset the, the differences in their defense. No, I think that's fair. And this was another really tough one for me between these two guys because they're very similar in a lot of ways um, in terms of holistically over the last two years they put up very similar stats similar k rates ops's wrc pluses babips were even similar matt olson over the last two years did edge out alonzo in war by a full full point there but last year alonzo was pretty much one war better than olson so there's obviously that recency that comes into play for sure yeah i don't know i honestly the reason that i went olson over alonzo was just because i liked the fact that he has a higher hard hit rate and a higher walk rate. 
because I thought they were very similar guys. The defense is definitely better in Olsen, so I had him edging out there. I will say this, though. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier while I was a little bit shocked with Pete Alonso. In my mind, this dude hit the ball very, very hard all the time. And he does. I'm not, I'm not arguing that he doesn't hit the ball hard. But I assumed he would be one of the elite, elite hard hit percentage guys in baseball. But he's just frankly quite not. He's good. He hits the ball hard. I'm not saying he doesn't. But he's not elite. Uh, Matt Olson, on the other hand, he hits the ball very hard. Last year, he hit the ball hard 50% of the time, 50.9. So he's almost flirting with that 51%. I love that when you combine that with a good walk rate. So that's the reasoning behind me going Olsen over Alonzo. However, Alonzo had a much better year last year, and I don't think that's a debate. So I'd be okay putting Alonzo over Olsen. Yeah, and that's really the crux of my argument is that Alonzo had a 143 WRC plus to Olsen's 120, basically twice as good in a roundabout sort of way with Alonzo being 43% above average and Olsen only 20% above average. So, yeah, I mean... With the recency bias. Also, another thing I'm surprised about Alonzo, you mentioned the hard hit rate. He only strikes out 19% of the time, or at least last year, which is below the league average of about 22, 23%. It's kind of funny. If you're looking at his profile, you know, his overall batting line, strikeout and walk rates, and hard hit rate and stuff, you wouldn't really think that he's this huge power sellout slugger kind of guy. I think he was more of a line drives hitter but yeah that's interesting yeah he runs a solid walk rate as well about 10 percent. i think you just kind of that that 23 point gap in wrc plus is a little too much for me to ignore uh at such an offensive heavy position yeah no i'm comfortable switching him i still do like matt olson overall as a player more than pete alonso but if we're doing top 10 right now i i will give that one to you especially right. since you gave me the one two flip-flop so as a <laughs> show of gratitude all right. They also almost have the same letters in their name. Yes, I found myself having to make sure I pronunciated both of them very carefully to avoid flip-flopping their names there. <laughs> but now comes the super-duper interesting part, in my opinion. I need to hear how you can have a guy with 72 games played under his belt as your number six first baseman in the entire sport. Well, what a 72 games they were. Mr. Vinny P ran a 137 WRC plus, which is right up there with what we were just talking about, Pete Alonso, and a, a far sight better than Olsen. He did not get lucky. He only had a 306 Babbitt, which is, you know, right in line with the league average. He walked 12% of the time, struck out, get this, 11.4% of the time. He walked more than he struck out. That is huge. Also, hit the ball hard 47% of the time, right up there, very solid, the probably 70th percentile-ish. And most importantly, with a guy this young, the projection systems, which can take into account his minor league performance, also are really, really high. They're actually projecting that he increases his production from last year, from 137 to a 141 WRC+. And... If I'm looking down this list very quickly, that is the third highest projected WRC plus behind Vladdy Jr. and Freeman and ahead of Paul Goldschmidt, who's projected at 140. Given all that and the fact that I, you know, gave my weight to the projections a little bit, 
you know, wait to the projections. I have him coming in at number six because according to that, he should be the third best hitter. And I know that he's only played 72 games. So to put him at three would be pretty ridiculous. But I thought six was reasonable, especially given the guys that he's ahead of. Christian Walker, you know, not a huge offensive player in first baseman terms. Abreu kind of aging, arise, doesn't have that much power. Bell, inconsistent. I like him more than all those guys. Yeah, that's very interesting. And there's no doubt that he is a projected, very good, pure hitter that has a little bit more pop than a stereotypical pure hitter. And there's a lot to like about Benny P, no doubt. I just have a massive issue with a guy who played 72 games. You know, if this was someone who had done it for four or five years and then just had an injury-riddled season last year, okay, totally understand that. But you say that you like him more than the guys you have below him who all have very good track records of doing things that he just did last year in the 72 games you know, span. It wasn't as if he did this for 162. You know, I guarantee you Jose Abreu put up stats better than that in a 72-game span. I guarantee you that Arise did and Josh Bell did. I know for a fact they did. So I just find that aggressive, no doubt. And, you know, I didn't consider Vinny P for my list because he wasn't on MLB Network's top, you know, 10 consideration list. And we already kind of discussed that a little bit. So I can't tell you where I would have had him, but I know I for fact I would not have had him at number six. So that's, I guess, where I find it aggressive, like I said. But I do like Vinny P. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like him. I think he's a good player, and I think next year, if you had him at six or better, I don't think I'd have an issue. But, yeah, I don't know. 72 games for a rookie, that's an aggressive ranking, no doubt. Isn't that kind of what we're trying to do, though? We're trying to see who's going to be on this list next year. It's like a, a list of the list, almost. We're, we're projecting the future this year. Yeah, but if we're doing full projections, then the previous years wouldn't matter. But there's a reason that we consider numerous years prior to this. I know. I don't know. I don't know if I can come to a consensus with you that he's number six. Now, can you find a spot on our list? I want him on your list. If we can get him on the list, I'll be happy. Yeah, you can get him on the list, but I think we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to get him on my list. My number six spot, I had Jose Abreu. You had him coming at number eight. And behind Christian Walker. Um, You know, I didn't have Christian Walker on my list. I didn't really have him overly close. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve a consideration for the top 10. I also think your number seven ranking on Christian Walker is aggressive. So I'd like to hear a little bit of why you liked Walker over Abreu. Yeah, this is a bit of a, I don't know, somewhat contrary one. Because as I mentioned before, Walker was the number one defender in my whole entire shebang here of 49 players and by a wide margin too um he was three standard deviations above the mean which is which is huge and Abreu is just about an average defender so that's you know fine they Abreu came in ninth offensively for me which is I thought he would be higher for sure I was a little surprised at eight I think that's probably a bit too low but in terms of what the numbers say and what my list came out with. I had Abreu at nine offensively, Walker at 16 offensively, and then just Walker's defense really pushed him up the ladder there. But I'm honestly fine, given what we said before, 
weighing offense a lot more than defense to push Abreu up to number six where you have him. All right. Well, I do greatly appreciate that, Johnny. But I will say with Christian Walker, too, yeah, he came out of my model as the best defender, and it wasn't particularly close either, which definitely made this hard because he came in as I considered 16 players, and that was the list that MLB Network had, right? So he was probably the worst offensive player that I considered. And for me, given the fact that he had great worse defense... Than Belt? Offensive, oh, offensively, well, considering the last two years, completely. I mean, Belt had an insane two years ago. But last year, no. Belt was the worst offensive mm. player. And I had Belt dead last because of that. So I'm not saying that I had Walker ahead of Belt. but And Belt, it was weird because of his lack of games played. But with Walker, 108 WRC plus over the last two years. And that's with what last year. Crone? Crone? Well, I had Crone lower on the list, but I'm saying offensively. He was 32nd on my list offensively. He was terrible. How can you say that Crone was terrible? The dude had an 840 OPS. No, he didn't. That was Coors. Yeah, I know, totally, but he still had a higher WRC plus than Christian Walker. He had a 101 this year. Yeah, but Christian Walker two years ago had an under 100. Yeah, but we're talking last year, mostly. We're talking, yeah, mostly, but it's not like Christian Walker tore the cover off the base last year. Had 122 WRC plus. I mean, that's like fringe all-star. I don't know. But yeah, my point with Christian Walker is this. I don't like the offensive profile. I don't think that it's a very sustainable offense profile of last year. I think he played above what he should have, given the strikeout rate and the walk rate. And just nothing. He special doesn't strike out that much. He only strikes out twenty percent of the time. I'm saying, given his strikeout and walkout rate, walk rate, there's nothing that tells me that he's going to improve upon what he did last year. Last year was his mm-hmm. peak. He doesn't hit the ball harder than forty four forty four percent of the time, but he's an elite defensive player. There's no doubt. But I'm just saying, I don't know how he's a top ten player. You're, you're overlooking a guy like Anthony Rizzo, who I had at seven, which, sure, we can argue that he's not the seventh best first baseman, but what offensive profile has Christian Walker above Anthony Rizzo or Luis Arise, who won a batting champion last year? If we're talking about last year... I'm not arguing he's a better offensive player than them. Okay, that's fair. I already said he came in 16th offensively. Right. I guess that's just where my confusion comes in, because... We talk about how defense isn't overly important, and while I get that Walker's was so much better than everyone else, it definitely matters a little bit. But I don't know how it matters enough to pass the likes of a guy like a Rise or a Rizzo or a Bell, even. So I guess that's what I'm trying to get at at this. All right, you wait till he hits 40 bombs this year, and come come back to me within one of your list next year. All righty. Well, given that we have a Brayu coming in at six after our little tangent there, we got to figure out number seven. Like I said, I had Rizzo at seven. You obviously had Walker. Quickly on Rizzo, uh, I'll kind of tell you why I like Rizzo. Um, then I'll let you kind of let me know why you don't like Rizzo. But for me, it was the guy who over the last two years has put up an 800 OPS, WRC plus over 120, very similar to Christian Walker. But the BABIP over the last two years has him coming in as by far the most unlucky player on this list. His BABIP was 238 last two years combined. So for me, that tells me that he's due for a little bit of luck. And not only is it that over the last two years, last year he was at a 216 Babbitt. So Rizzo is definitely due for a little bit more luck. And no shift next year, still playing at Yankee Stadium. I just like the way that Rizzo profiles going forward. You know, he doesn't strike out a lot. He's at a 16% clip there. There's a lot to like about Rizzo. Uh, He's just done it for a long time. I am a little bit surprised that you didn't have him on your list. Price, I guess, but I'm curious where you had him 
is he just missed type of guy? Yeah, you won't be surprised to learn that he is number 11 on my list and not by a huge margin. But about your luck thing with the BABIP, yes, he has run a low BABIP, but in the vein of guys like Joey Gallo, fly ball hitters, basically, you expect the BABIP to be low because if you hit a fly ball, it's pretty much either a home run or an out. Doubles are pretty rare on high fly balls, and that's what these guys are trying to hit with the launch angle. And so I have incorporated that into my luck calculations. And so I have Rizzo's expected BABIP coming in at 260 for 2021 and 243 for last year. And that's not too much different than his actual BABIP. If I had just kind of naively put his expected BABIP at the league average, I think he almost certainly would have made my list because he would have been seen as probably the unluckiest hitter in the world. But he wasn't because his batted ball profile, he hits 44% fly balls and 5.2% infield fly balls, so pop-ups basically. And if your fly ball per home run rate is 10%, obviously all pretty much pop-ups are outs. That's already a significant amount of balls that are just automatic outs. And so that that makes your BABIP drop a lot. And yes, I know the shift is going to be out of play next year, but for a guy that only hits ground balls 33% of the time, where the league average is like 42 or 45%, it just won't affect him as much because he's a fly ball hitter. So that's my little spiel on why he actually wasn't that unlucky. That being said, I do agree that he is a very good hitter, um, and I was certainly surprised to see him off my list. So I'm not too opposed to having him on my list. I just think seven is a bit aggressive. No, that's definitely fair, and I'm okay dropping him a little bit. One thing I will say on Rizzo, and this may surprise some people, if you had to take a guess who had a higher WRC plus between Anthony Rizzo and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last year, I'm guessing a lot of people would say it's a guy who we had a consensus number three on our list at Vladdy G, but it was actually Anthony Rizzo had 133 WRC plus, Guerrero had a 132. So just some food for thought there. But we got to figure out a number seven here. Our six and seven, or excuse me, our sevens are both off of each other's lists. Two guys <laughs> that we have on both of our lists are Luis Arise and Josh Bell. Now, is there any chance that you feel comfortable moving a rise up to seven because i have him at eight you have him at nine both of us have him ahead of josh bell what are my other options <laughs> well your other options are two guys i didn't even have close to making my list or guys that didn't make my list yeah correct uh, yeah i mean i don't really want to put a rise up at seven i think i want to put rizzo less at seven and you don't want a walker at seven so yeah all right let's do let's do a rise at seven all right rise at seven and now we kind of got three spots left. I think we got to consider, obviously, Anthony Rizzo. Vinny P is going to be up there. Uh, I already told you I would I would do that one, whether or not I fully agree or not. Christian Walker, I don't know. That's going to be one you're still going to have to convince me can even make the top ten here. And then, obviously, we have Josh Bell, who we both have on our list. And then there's a little bit of an argument there for Ty France. Though, if we're going to include Vinny P, I think, I think we can kind of move on from France there. Very just kind of existing player on this list and i can't say that i was excited to have him at 10 over other guys for per se but yeah not really the the kind of upside 
that a lot of these other guys have. I mean, he's, he's a very solid player, of course. He's he came in twelfth on my list, um, so he's certainly threatening. I I don't know. This is just a personal opinion, but I think last year was probably his ceiling as a hitter. Yeah, I would tend to agree on that one. Doesn't hit the ball overly hard, so not a lot to love upside there. But does have a low strikeout rate, which is nice. But doesn't walk a lot either. So there's all there's that fun game there with with Mr. Ty over in Seattle. So now that he's off the list, I guess we got to figure out who the final three guys are, and then maybe we can rank them. If it was me, if it was up to me, based on what our conversations have been, I'm okay with in in some order having Josh Bell, uh, Vinny P, and Anthony Rizzo as our final three. I don't know. Does that sound good to you? Are you willing to get rid of Walker or no? Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of have to have Bell because we both have him on our Correct. list. And I, I agree that Rizzo should be on the list and we want Pasquantino on the list. So I guess that is the three. Does Josh Bell being on both of our list push him higher? I think it can. Now, you know, it's tough because if we were to kind of do an average of where we both have Rizzo, that kind of puts him at it at an a nine, right? That would put him at nine. So we could push Rizzo to nine, and then Bell to eight, and Vinny P to ten. I think that's fair. Okay. So given that, kind of quick rundown on what we have here, going down the list. So we have got Vinny at ten, like we just said. Anthony Rizzo at nine. Mister Josh Bell at eight. Luisa Rise at seven. Jose Abreu six. Matt Olson five. Pete Alonso four. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at three, Mr. Goldschmidt at two, and Freddie Freeman at one. Now, how is that going to compare to MLB Network's top 10 right now list? Well, I can tell you it's going to be massively different. Oh, boy. And even though I didn't love Johnny's list, and I know he probably didn't love mine, I love this even less. This is, yeah, you'll see, and, and maybe you agree more than we do with MLB Network here, but love to hear what you guys think obviously in the comments on our twitter and instagram so we would love to hear that but let's kind of get into this because at number 10 johnny they have reese hoskins yeah i really don't know what they were thinking with hoskins here um maybe you get extra points for playing in the world series i i don't know he was i mean he was in the ballpark offensively he was 13th on my list but really a terrible defender at first base bottom five at the position and that pushed him a little bit lower to 16 on my list okay you could make a case for 13 ish but you're gonna put him ahead of france you're gonna put him ahead of rizzo no you're gonna put him ahead of walker even they're kind of like opposite players but he's not that much better of an offensive player than walker yeah i i really really don't see this especially given who they left off the list too I'm looking down here. I don't want to spoil it, but man, yeah, that's that's terrible. I don't know where they got that. Yeah, me either. And and like you said, offensively, totally in the ballpark. Could have found himself anywhere in that you know nine ten range for sure. But it's not like he has a sexy profile to go along with it. You know, he does hit the ball hard, but he strikes out at a pretty healthy clip, twenty four percent over the last two years. Defense just isn't there. 4.2 war over the last two years. So are you telling me a guy who's averaging 2.1 war over the last two years deserves to be on a top 10 list? Yeah, I don't know. That's just a tough argument for me, especially given who they left off. And it's a little surprising they left some of these guys off for sure. So, but yeah, kind of moving on from Hoskins, they do have Luis Arise coming in at number nine. I know we have him on our consensus as a number seven, though I know 
we probably both agree a little bit more that he's more in that nine range. Yeah, yeah, we had him at eight and nine. Right, and so then coming in at number eight is another guy who we haven't even talked about. We haven't even mentioned his name. And, you know, maybe a little bit unfair on our part because he did have a very, very good season last year. That would be Nathaniel Lowe over in Texas. Very underrated season. Might have been the most underrated season offensively in baseball last year. But that was just kind of a last year thing for him. I'm not really sold. I might even like Reese Hoskins a little bit more. Um, I don't, personally. Uh, I have Hoskins one spot lower than Lowe. But they're very similar in my analysis here. I have Lowe at... 12th offensively where Hoskins was 13th and I have him at 49th defensively the worst player in my entire sample uh, on the defensive end and that pushed him down to 15th overall and I mean you could I guess make the case that defense matters not at all and put him at 12 but even still that's three more players you got to jump to get to number nine and I think we can get into the just missed list on here for MLB network Uh, it's pretty extensive we've got no anthony rizzo no josh bell low and hoskins are better than rizzo and bell i don't see it yeah that that one especially makes me confused because like you said not only are statistically over the last two years if you're just taking that little route there are rizzo and bell better players i mean nathaniel low had a great year last year but it does not look sustainable. I mean, the dude had a 363 BABIP. You know, the only type of people putting up that kind of BABIP are Paul Goldschmidt of the world, the guys who win MVPs. So it's not sustainable. The defense is horrendous. You know, and it wasn't like he had these insane bat-to-ball skills. You know, he struck out 22% of the time, walked seven. So nothing to write home about. I mean, they don't suck. Yeah, there's just not a lot to love about Nathaniel Lowe. And we talk about how the fact that he is and, and Reese Hoskins are ahead of Josh Bell and, and Anthony Rizzo, but how is Ty France coming in at number seven ahead of both of those guys? That, to me, is even crazier that, to some extent. You know, I don't know what you think about that, but wow, that those three guys being ahead of Bell and, and Rizzo, to me, that's a huge oversight. Yeah, I mean, I, there's not really much else to say at this point. It's France was 14th offensively in my list which is, again, you know, respectable. But um, Bell and Rizzo were 10th and 11th, and by, you know, a fair margin over those guys. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know at all. So, let's kind of get into the top six here, because it's the same top six that you and I have, not in the same order. But there's something here that really gets me surprised. Uh, and I definitely have an issue with it because in my opinion, there was a consensus one and two, an obvious number three, a consensus four and five. And then the way I looked at it, six was kind of obvious, but I know you had him at eight. I thought Jose Brady was number six. What if I were to tell you that Matt Olson comes in at number six, Pete Alonso at number five, and then Jose Abreu at number four? I would tell you that you're an Astros fan because I don't really understand how else you can put him above Olsen and Alonso. I mean, they're probably like a combined 15 years younger than him, for one thing. And for another thing, they just have been better, clearly. I mean, I don't know, man. Abreu, 
again, very solid player, but when you're looking at Olsen and Alonso over the last two years, we were debating them earlier pretty heavily, and their numbers are fairly similar and and clearly two notches ahead of Abreu. I, I don't know. Yeah, and not only are they two notches ahead of Abreu, let's even just look at last year, right? Okay, Abreu had a higher WRC plus than Olsen in his first year on a new team in a new league. Okay, you know what? Okay, you can somehow construe your argument to say that. Fine by me. But Pete Alonso? Pete Alonso was better than him in every single aspect other than like K-Rate or something. Like Pete Alonso was better last year. He was better two years ago. He was better three years ago. He was better four years ago. Abreu is a great player. Great player. But he's like on the wrong side of 30 coming on 40 here pretty soon. Yeah, this one, this list, man, it's not a good list. It's really not. Uh, I'd I'd love to know the logic behind some of these decisions because they don't seem logical. No, not at all. I mean, Abreu, from looking at the projection systems, he's he's at one twenty eight WRC plus. Alonso's at one forty five. That's a huge difference. Olson's also at one twenty seven, right around Abreu, but he's a great defender, so that gives him some extra value there, and also just. Again, the age aspect cannot be ignored. Really doubtful that Abreu is going to continue his power hitting, at least for the next couple of years, at the same rate that he has been already. Saw a decline to, to what, 15 homers last year. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't like that at all. Like you said, neither do I. And then their top three here, less controversial. They have Vladdy at number three. Freddie Freeman at number two and Paul Goldschmidt at number one, just like you had. Obviously, we decided that Freeman should be over Goldschmidt, but that was less of a obvious choice than anything. So can't really gripe too much about their top three, but there's a lot, a lot, a lot to gripe about their four through ten, maybe, other than where Luisa Rice finds himself at number nine. So, yeah, Johnny, this was a... Uh, debated list, and this should be one of our more debated episodes, I'm guessing, when it's all said and done here. Who would have thunk it would have been first base who brought that on? I know. I know. We had way less problems with the relievers. It's wild. It really, really is. So, that kind of about does it here for us at PTC with the top 10 first basemen. Uh, Always appreciate you guys tuning in. Drop your top 10 list. Let us know what you agree with disagree with with our lists i know i've been flamed a little bit for my relievers list so i can take it don't worry i'm tough so keep keep it coming in the comments if you hate my list if you hate mlb networks just like we do definitely drop a like and and we appreciate all the the support guys thank you guys very much see ya